Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This week, Dr. Isan Sadri is joined by industry veteran Tracy Valerie, who talks about leveraging her experience to help ophthalmic startups. Let's listen in. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Isan Sadri, board certified ophthalmologist here in Newport Beach, California. We're actually getting some rain, which is really odd for Southern Cal, principal and uh, GP of Visionary Ventures. I'm absolutely delighted to bring my friend and colleague as our guest of OIS podcast in ophthalmology. Many of you know Tracy Valori. Tracy is just an unbelievable, open-minded leader in ophthalmology. She was senior, basically VP and general manager of ophthalmology at BNL for many, many years. That's how her and I really started to work together. And before that, she was in marketing and she has an, an, just an unbelievable background. And um, in the last few years, she's you know kind of now taken on roles as, as board seats and as consultancies. And it's just absolutely, um, for me, an honor to have her join us today and kind of um, talk about her background and just not just kind of, uh, you know, your advice for younger um, associates, like we just talked about that are just kind of getting started. Or say, well, that would be kind of cool for me to be um, uh, in that role in five, 10, 15 years. And what does that look like? How do I get there? And so part of this is also, as you know, mentoring. So Tracy is just absolutely like to, to uh, be on. How are you? I'm great. Ishan, thanks to you. I want to thank Craig for inviting me to do this. It's great to see you, and it's great to still be part of the ophthalmology community. Um, I know it's, we've all been sort of virtual for the last year, so it's been hard to see each other. So this is really exciting to get to spend some time with you and do this. So thanks for the invitation. So a little bit about my background, sure. Um, you know, I think I was always in, in science. I was always that kid that was curious about something and and I remember my seventh grade science teacher was the one who really kind of pushed me towards exploring sort of more of that um, in school. And so I would take some extracurricular activities um, all around different kinds of science, not just obviously biology or chemistry, but anything that school had to offer. And so, or, you know, little summer classes, I would take them. Um, and I think I always knew I was going to be in healthcare. I just wasn't sure how. Um, for a long time, I was planning to go to medical school and, and I went to the University of Connecticut. I'm a molecular biologist by background. Um, but after I graduated, I wanted to take a little break before jumping into a postgraduate uh, school. And I took a job actually at the labs at Pfizer. So I was a bench scientist in the Pfizer laboratories in Groton, Connecticut, um, right out of school. Um, I'm a Connecticut girl. I went to University of Connecticut stayed in Connecticut here in Groton, Connecticut, where Pfizer's labs were and did that for a couple of years and decided that I really liked the industry, um, but I didn't really want to stay so tied to the lab. I wanted to get a little closer to the end user of what we were doing. And so I moved into clinical. And so I did clinical research for a couple of years. Um, and I did a small stint in regulatory and then new product planning and all those exciting things that you know you do early on to start moving new products and new ideas forward. And it was a really a great learning for me to be able to do so many things uh, you know, under one roof at Pfizer. And then I moved uh, to New York into the commercial organization in 2000 and worked first in anti-infectives, infectious disease and pediatrics for a few years before moving over to ophthalmology in 2006. Um, and I had responsibility then for the global ophthalmology organization. So Zalatan, for all you glaucoma folks, Zalacom, XUS, um, 
at the time, the international rights to Macugen. And we had a really nice team and a broad portfolio in development and ophthalmology. So we had a really well-organized research, medical and commercial organization that was global. And you know, one of the best parts of that uh, time for me was the interaction with the global organization and the relationships that we all had. So the head of the European group, the head of Asia, head of Latin America, head of US, and then myself head of global, we all had a really strong working relationship. And I think that really helped me learn a little bit more of the skills around not just like what ophthalmology markets look like in different parts of the world, but really how to get some work done internationally and get work done with disparate groups. And, you know, we talked about like, well, what do you need to learn as you kind of move along? And regardless of where you are, you, you, you kind of have to figure out how am I going to get things done when so many when so other people's priorities might be different than mine? And so it's a really good way to learn how to build those relationships and build trust. You know, I think about when I went to business school, um, people say, what was your favorite class? Well, I will tell you, it was not statistics. <laughs> as much as I love it, it was not. My favorite class actually was um, taught by a labor attorney. And he taught, uh, he did a lot of the negotiations between a lot of the large unions and organizations um, around the country. And one of the things he taught us was that building trust in business is probably the most important thing you can do. And so that whole concept of being authentic and open and building trust is really the best way to get things done. Because as you know, you can't always make everybody happy, but if you come at it from a strong place of trust, you really, you really can make something exciting happen. And so I was really proud to be part of that team at Pfizer. And then, um, I left there in 2011 and then joined Bausch and & Long. And it was exciting to stay in ophthalmology after leaving Pfizer and working in a company that was only dedicated to eye care. So a little bit different than a com bigger company that has a lot of broad therapeutic areas to think about. Um, Bausch & Long was just thinking about ophthalmology and so that was exciting. And so I got to participate there, as you know, for quite a few years, both on the pharmaceutical side of the business, as well as the device side of the business, the surgical team, um, and similarly build a really strong team, work with some really amazing people, um, got to work with folks inside the company and then outside the company that I consider really close friends today. And then I just uh, took the opportunity after seven years there to think about what was important to me. And I thought, gosh, I kind of miss my R&D roots a little bit. And it was a good point in time to move away from an operational role, a day-to-day -day operational role. And so I, I chose at that time to leave and start a consulting business. And I've been working with some small startup companies, um, all in ophthalmology. And um, I've joined a few board seats since then. And it's been exciting because you know, as you know, treating patients every day, we have so many great technologies, but we still have so much to do. And there's still so many problems we haven't solved yet. And the innovation cycle is really, really exciting. And getting to see what all of these people with great ideas have, um, if I can be helpful in any way to bringing them forward based on the experiences I've had, I am, I'm all in and I'm 100% ready to do it. So that's just a little bit of the from there to here <laughs> in maybe five minutes, so. Well, no, that's that's great overview. And I, I think there's so much there we can dissect down. Um, right. You know, I think that 
one of the things that I um, admire very about you is that you're very a great listener as a leader. I've, you know, I've spent some time um, reading about leadership, and I think I remember just interacting with you um, when we were at BNL. You just um, you just have that. What are some skills do you think that are pretty critical and that helped you um, navigate um, through your career? And then number two, it's a loaded question. Tell me right now, give us some specifics. What do you, what projects are you working on um, as far as the board and all that stuff? What sort of, what, what kind of piques your interest in getting involved? Is this, is a glaucoma dry eyes? Uh, tell us a little about that. You know, I think everyone evolves differently, but there are some things that I think everyone agrees are important. And, and it does take a long time to learn listening skills because listening and hearing are two different things, right? And so you could spend a lot of time listening, but you really have to hear what someone is saying. And we're all working in such a fast paced environment that a lot of times you just want to jump to the end. And, you know, that's something that I had to learn over time and really try and focus on doing that. And it's not easy. And, you know, I think if you talk to people who worked with me earlier in my career, I wasn't I got better at it. I was never, I wasn't always great at it, but I feel like I got better at it. And I think it's still something that we all work to get better at because it really does take a lot of effort to listen. Um, I also think it, it's important for people to really understand that the good idea can come from just about anywhere. And that it's important to not be so stuck on an idea that you can't pivot if the pivot is necessary. And so, you know, we had quite a few of those experiences where, you know, I would make a decision based on information we had. And then someone from the field would call and say, gosh, I don't think this is going to be the best thing. And we would, I would try to understand why. And I can recall one situation where we made the change within a few hours of, of you know, myself and the rest of the leadership team understanding, you know, maybe that wasn't the best decision because strategy without execution is useless. And so when you think about a good idea, it can be like the best idea ever. And I think we've all gone through this. If it can't actually, doesn't have legs, you have problems. And so it's good to listen, going back to the concept of listening skills, to really listen and hear what's happening. Um, and then the other thing is to really, you know, be confident in taking ownership of what happens. Because as a leader at the end of the day, you know, you have to be the one to take that responsibility. And I think that that confidence that you can build actually helps a team, you know, be confident in doing what they're doing and feel like they've got good cover, if you will. So I think those are just a few things. Um, so yeah. the things I've been doing, I'm working with um, two companies um, in the Shifa Med. There's two Shifa Med companies. They're out nearby you in California. They're both in the medical device space. Um, one I would say in the cataract side, one on the glaucoma side, very exciting kind of new innovations in those spaces. Um, I'm sitting on a few boards in drug delivery um, and one in a retina device. So it's been exciting to sort of move myself through different therapeutic areas. So retina, glaucoma, cataract, um, because I do think that there's things that are still exciting to do there, but um, you know, any, the way I've sort of positioned what I'd like to do is when I hear something that has a real opportunity to be maybe a leapfrog technology or to change the way we do things, um, that kind of gets me excited um, instead of doing kind of the same thing over and over again, because I think there's so many good ideas that just need to figure out a way forward. 
Um, those things get me excited to work on. Um, but it doesn't really matter which therapeutic area, to be honest with you. But I would say the site-saving therapeutic areas are the ones that are most exciting to me. What is it about the startup world you think that's attractive versus the larger corporate uh, strategic uh, ecosystem? They're both exciting in different ways. I guess at my times in, you know, in both Pfizer and at, at Bausch & Lomb, you really learn how to work in a large ecosystem and you can see a lot of different things. At the same time, you work on your thing. Um, where in the startup world, you work on everything, right? And so you really get the up to your elbows, roll up your sleeves, um, really exciting team kind of effort. Um, at, an early, at an earlier stage, different than sort of the roll up to your sleeves, kind of everybody moving a project forward in a, in a larger organization, just because you have more layers and it's more, a little bit more complex. The simplicity of a startup um, really lets you see a lot of things. And so it's exciting to see those types of projects and the challenges and how they work through some of those challenges. The true collaboration, you know, at the bench side is really, is really interesting, um, which, you know, is different than the way I, I would say some of the strategics, you know, operate today. Uh, both have their pros and cons, I would say, for sure. I think it's hard sometimes to replicate the entrepreneurial spirit all the way through a very large organization. But at the same time, you see success of it. And I, I think you see success of it right now with the rollout of these vaccines for COVID, because if ever there was a roll up your sleeves, get it done, you know, don't let, you know, any kind of bureaucracy get in your way. This was really it. So that's a testament to how things really can get done. So it's definitely possible. Right now, of all the things you're working on, which one's your which one excites you the most, and what's next? What's what's next for Tracy in the next year or two? Well, you know, it's it's hard to pick one because they're they're all different, and they all are all looking to solve a unique problem. Um, you know, I I obviously have a passion for glaucoma. I think everybody knows that, and um, so when I see devices coming forward that you know might actually look different than some things that we've seen before or the opportunity for sustained delivery to be realized in a different way uh, for patients that that's very exciting because then I think that's the beginning of the next step right once we once we get a couple of these out the door then you know you we iterate on that and that's that's when the the we start push stop pushing the boulder up the hill and start riding the sled down the hill a little bit more, right? So we need some of that to happen. And, you know, I would say the, on the cataract side, the world of accommodation, I think is something when I talk to doctors, everybody wants and would love to see. And if we could solve for that, wouldn't that just be exciting? And I, I know watching the OIS on presbyopia, I think I got a lot of that still um, is resonating around the community that people are really excited about something to solve for that. So it's hard to pick something, um, you know, on the retina side, you know, doing anything for end stage patients would be, you know, in my mind, a miracle having, you know, had a grandfather that, you know, suffered from neovascular AMD before we had VEGF. So we've, I've, we've seen it firsthand in my family. So anything that helps the end stage patients, that's what we're doing over at Samsara Vision, that's exciting as well. So it's hard to pick one. Um, but I think there's enough innovation in this space. And I think that there's exciting technology looking to solve problems that we haven't quite solved yet. 
And that's what makes things exciting. And we're seeing new companies emerge all the time, both, you know, midsize, as well as some of the larger companies start to, you know, rein reinvigorate their own pipelines. That's exciting to see. We're seeing a lot of, you know, movement in the venture world. So a lot of IPOs this year in, in ophthalmology, I suspect, suspect we'll see a few more. So I think it's an exciting time for all of us to be in ophthalmology. Absolutely. I think the other thing I was going to uh, say to you is like when you're looking at companies in ophthalmology, do you feel like uh, how do this innovation cycle continue to be um, enhanced? Meaning, you know, in the past, there was a lot of strategics or people that would purchase or sort of, you know, if you will, the little companies would exit to. Do you feel like that's kind of now been a little more challenging? Yeah. And if so, what are some things that you think will happen in order for the little small mid-sized companies to be able to capitalize and, and be able to commercialize? Right, because the goal is getting these products into patients, right? That's the goal. So what is the best way to do that? And we, we do seem to have a slowing or a slower um, exit cycle for some of, into some of the larger strategics now. Um, I, I think that that might change in time. I think all of them are going through their own growing pains at the moment and, and are going through their own new evolutions. And so I do see a lot of, you know, excitement about how those pipelines can keep being reinvigorated. But at the same time, um, you know, companies have to do what's right for their businesses. And so if there's a small company that needs to either merge with another small company or, um, go on their own and try and commercialize. And that's what's going to happen. So I think it's going to be a mix of all of that going forward. Um, and then maybe some of the mid-sized companies will be able to do different size acquisitions they weren't able to do historically. So I think it's going to be a mix. I think the, the point is that there's a lot of good technology to be had. Um, it's just going to have to be put in the right hands to make it viable for patients. So and I think everybody appreciates that there's more than one way to get these things done. And so that is what's exciting. What are some things that really, would you say, pearls and pitfalls in your career that are pivotal in your success? What, what would you recommend? Well, I would say relative to ophthalmology, like everything we talked about, there's, there's still so much to do and there's so much excitement and there's so much research and innovation going on. And there's people who know how to move programs forward that it's a great space to be in for sure. 100% ophthalmology is a great space to work in. Um, just in terms of, you know, if I had to talk to my 18 year old self again, <laughs> what would I say to her? You know, I think it's um, trust yourself to know when it's time to take that next step. Don't be afraid to take that next step. If you don't find your getting what you want in one place, it's okay to go find it in another place because that's just how life is, right? We all move around and we all find our next great spot. It means doesn't mean we didn't have a great time before that, but sometimes you just have to move on to find your next great spot. Um, so trusting in that is really important. Don't be afraid to take that step. Um, and I think those, that's really the most important thing. Find a good mentor or two. You know, the networking is really important. I mean, I really was, when I look back, I had some really great people just to talk to about 
advice on going to school or advice on the next career step, or I wanted to try something, you know, could I find someone in the organization that would support me in doing that? That was a little bit outside the box and, you know, give me an opportunity to stretch somewhere. So I think it's don't search out a good mentor. Don't be afraid to ask for anything and, and trust your gut a lot of the time. Right. And then be a little bit patient, but you know, not too patient. <laughs> so that's everybody's. Yeah own metric stick they've got to work on right so and that's why you know i love being part of owl also because that organization is just a great way for folks to network and to see good leadership in action and learn from so many good people and um, you know ophthalmology really is ripe with great leaders and i think when you find an organization like owl that's done a lot of work to foster the connections amongst people you really could see um, you know, a great crop of new leaders coming through. And so I'm really proud to, to have been part of that and still part of that as an advisor. So it's fun to be part of that still. Yeah. I mean, going back to what you were saying with regards to being scared, uh, I always, you know, it's remarkable because in your career, you know, you have a really good role and the money's good and you're, you know, you have assistants and you know, you've got like people that help you can just kind of shoot an email, things get done, but you're right. There's this voice inside our minds in our heart, probably that if you're not inspired or fulfilled uh, or if you want more and you're not able to achieve it in the environment you're in and it's, it takes courage, right? Faith to be able to say, you know what, this is good, but there's greatness on beyond um, what these walls hold. Right. And, and you won't ever know jump, if you I think don't it's try. always challenging. Right. You won't ever know if you that's don't try. That's it. Right? Yeah. That's I'm not it. saying, you know, throw that's the baby out really, with the bathwater, but I'm saying if you, you know, really think about it and, you know, try. I don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. 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 Especially, uh, you know, in, when medicine, we're taught de-risk, de-risk, de-risk. Yeah. I mean, that's what physicians are so conservative because you're taught not to injure anybody, not to do anything that's, you know, unnecessary. And, or if you don't have all the variables in med in business, as you know, there's so many decisions you have to make based on, you know, poor variables or less than perfect variables. And um, this has yeah. just been great. I mean, I, you and I are friends, you and I can talk for another hour and a half. You <laughs> try to keep these um, 30 minutes. So people, you know, kind of on their commute to work and listen, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of text messages and emails that are going to inspire a lot of people. I just want to say thank you uh, for spending time with us uh, today. And I would love to have you back um, next year to see how, what you're up to. So it's congratulations on everything you're doing. Thanks. Well, I still plan to be here. So thanks for uh, uh, inviting me. It's always good to catch up with you. It's great to see you. Glad you're doing so well. And uh, thanks again. Thanks for joining Tracy and Assam this week. While you're at it, be sure to register for the Anterior Innovation Showcase on April 8th, where you will get to see some exciting startups and hear from clinical and industry leaders. Until next week, keep on innovating.